Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, warriors of all ages, those on active duty, the Reserve, the National Guard, <laughs> the whole group. Welcome back to Warrior Connection. I mean, it's a new year. We've got through Christmas. Obviously, for veterans, Christmas and Thanksgiving and the holidays are a bad time, and we had some good times, and we had some bad times. Hello. Today, we want to talk about some good times and do a little bit of poetry and what we need to do to make the world better and how can we feel better with the new year. Hey, Bonnie, are you there today? Yes, I am, but I can hardly hear you. Okay, you're going to have to speak up or talk right into the thing. If you're on a speakerphone, it probably won't work. Okay. Anyhow, I got so, my cousin, um, Bonnie. Can you hear me now? Some, uh, another poetry book they got published called Dancing Barefoot in the Wind. And uh, we got to think about what are the good times and what are the good things that we have. I think when all of us have been growing up, and Ray, I mean, you're talking about getting together with your family right now. That's important, yeah. isn't it? It is. Uh, you know, in our family, we have we have a large family anyway, but on Christmas Day, we let everybody go to their own children's homes and have it with their children and such. But the next Sunday, we have it uh, where we have a, a family Christmas, and today's the third one where I'm going to Florida and be with uh, one of my sons that couldn't be there. So it's like we've had three weeks of Christmas here, and it's family's wonderful. It's, it's very good and uh, refreshing, and it's always good to be together. Yeah, I think well, I know with ours, with our kids growing up, and they've all got their own families now, and they have to spread the time between the in-laws and both families. And My daughter-in-law, she's got uh, two brothers and two sisters, and they've all got families, so it gets to be a bit much, and everybody's chasing around and having fun. Bonnie, yeah. you got together with our family, didn't you, over Christmas and yours? Yes, I did. Uh, we always get get together on a a different day, though, because... Some people work on Christmas, and and when you have jobs like we've had, that's us. Are you there? Um, Bonnie, one of the things we do is uh, we eat a lot on those Christmas days, so this will be a third one. And uh, my wife, we got some bear bear meat and stuff, and we're going to cook a big stew down there and, and just have a lot of bear stew and hanging out together, so it's been a long three weeks as far as feeding, and uh, we've had a lot of snow, too, here, so um, it's, it's been a kind of extended Christmas, but it's, I'm glad you had a good Christmas, too. Well, I think it's important also, Ray, as you and I both know, and I mean, you had this impact you again. We've lost veterans. We lost a veteran on Christmas night who reached yeah. the limit. We lost veterans recently, and other ones are frustrated, and myself and everybody else are just frustrated trying to get the care and everything they need. So I'm thinking, let's do some poetry and have some fun today. I mean, Bonnie, you, I mean, you started out as a teacher. You're a linguist, English and Russian. You went back as a nurse. You worked as a psych nurse for many, many years, besides a farm wife. And then you started writing poetry. I mean, this has got to be neat. Well, it keeps me busy, Doug, and it keeps me uh, busy at home because, honestly, when I went to school that far, I would go 40 miles one way and then go to work. By the time I retired, I was ready to be at home, and then I started putting more and more on down on paper on, and on the computer, and my background helped me uh, 
my English background helped me so that I could put it down correctly. And that's where I went, and um, it's been fun, and I've gotten some, um, I don't know if you call it notoriety from it, but um, I like it, and I've been putting it down for my grandsons. I have four grandsons. Dancing Barefoot in the Wind, Poems from the Heart, Body Rocky Tennis. And one here is appropriate right now. I mean, our weather is changing here. We had extreme cold and snow and everything, as you guys did. Ray, you even got cold and snow, didn't you? We, yeah, we got about six or seven inches. And uh, matter of fact, that was a week ago. We still have snow here now. And it just started warming up. Today it's about 50. And so it's kind of warm. Well, actually, it may be hotter than that. But um, it's kind of broken the last two days. Yeah, same thing here. Well, one of the poems that starts out in your book, Bonnie, and if you mind, I'm just going to read this, and it's called Whiter Than White. Whiter than white, whiter than snow, softer than mist, softer than silk, bluer than blue, brighter than starlight, clearer than spring water. Your spirit comes from cloudless azure skies. Wow. Beautiful. Well, yeah, can, it comes clearly when it when the spirit talks. It's clear, and yeah. that's soft uh, and gentle. Is it a good vent for you? Because I mean, I can feel you venting, and it's like an ongoing story, more or less. Sort of, uh, you're able to clear your head out sometimes in in words, and you know, you write from the heart. That's that's amazing. So it sounds like a big vent to me of where you can really get rid of some of the things inside of you. And do you feel it like that? Like that? Sometimes I'd come home and I'd try to take, well, like my biography in the back uh, of the book said that I would try to make sense out of a senseless world. And I'd come right. home and I'd try to find the good in everything. And I wanted goodness in my poems and in my writing. And that's what I did. And uh, some of it is just fun. Some of it's just observing nature. Some of some of them are very, very deep in a in full of struggle. But they're all about life. And uh, I'm very proud of this book. And Doug, I also that's my painting on the cover too. Right. That's amazing. I was looking at, at a tree the other day uh, during that snow, Doug, and it had one leaf on it. And I remember that, that uh, poem that um, T.J., or uh, I can't remember his name right now, was on the program. He's a friend of mine, but he's moved away now. But I always remember that poem where he wrote it about the last leaf on the tree. Um, and he was actually contemplating suicide when he wrote the thing. So he, he poured his heart out in that poem. And then God just kind of touched his heart, and he came out of the suicidal thing. But uh, he uses that oh. as a a way to expose maybe the darkness inside of him and try to get some light. I think with this poetry you hear whiter than white with your spirit, I mean, the spirit is where it's all at. I mean, that's deep in the heart of the soul, and if your spirit is feeling good and if your spirit's feeling down, I mean, it can drag you down, but you can get up high. And even on a dreary day today where the weather is changing, I mean, all the snow is melting and it's warm. It's probably 40-some degrees out here. And it's, you know, hazy and foggy and everything else. You just kind of feel yucky. 
but your spirit can come up bright as a day in the middle of the night, I think, can it? It can. Um, we're expecting a big storm here, though, Doug. Um, it's going to rain, and then it's going to snow, and it's going to get cold. So it's not going. To, it's not. It won't be fun for a while driving on these roads. Yeah, I think they're uh, talking about North Carolina next week. We're going to have some more snow. Um, yeah. But you know, it's a good time to write and a good time to think and a good time to kind of get away from everything. And um, and it's you know what you're talking about the the uh, the depth of poetry. It's, when I wrote my book, um, you know, a couple of years back, I had to, uh, the VA put me in a program, and it was about writing about the worst thing ever happened to me in Vietnam, and I wrote about it. And I had to write it, they made me write it three or four different times, and it would, each time I wrote it, I, I kind of uncovered certain things I never talked about. And that helped me to write my book. And I tried to use so much depth in it, because there's so many people, you're not going to touch their life if you don't reach into that depth. And uh, when you're writing with depth, and whether it's poetry or music or, or you know, a book or something, you're reaching people that are hard to reach, and they're living in a world that they need to be touched. And I know your writing does that. You know, when we look at look at the writing in another poem here. I mean, talk about what's important in life. I mean, we've all got the problems and things we deal with, and we're going to work those out and do the other things. But when it gets down to the fundamentals, where can we go? And here's another neat poem. I want to smell the perfume. I want to smell the perfume of lilacs in the air. I want to feel wind softly blow upon my face and in my hair. I want to feel the sunshine tighten up on my skin. I want to feel the raindrops and cool me off again. I want to eat an apple from my apple tree and put wild flowers in a vase to please my company. I want to feel the grass crunch underneath my feet or feel the cool, wet mud build soles two inches thick. I want to pick a rosebud and watch it reach full bloom. Each year I want to plant a tree to give you back a part of me. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. It takes you back to the springtime, sounds like to me. And uh, you get the real value of life. What, what, is, what has happened today? I mean, Bonnie, Ray, I mean, you know, Bonnie, you and I obviously go back. I mean, you knew me before I was me. But the families and everything were together, and the families were involved and everything. And, Ray, you still get some, and we still get some, but it seems like the families and that interconnection of people to people has drifted apart somehow, hasn't it? Yeah, I think technology has done a, a lot of damage to that because we've become so isolated. Uh, you see, you go into a crowd of people and everybody, on a bus or anywhere, and everybody's sitting there with their cell phone, and nobody's talking. And uh, I, was, I was telling someone the other day, I said, it's amazing that so many people, when they get close to death, they always talk about they wish they'd spent more time with family, they wish they'd spent more time thinking or writing or being with the grandkids. And you, you, it's too bad you get to the very end and you wish you had more substance in your life. And I think we're living in a day, Doug, that <clears throat> so many people are mixed up in the veterans, especially with substance problems and different things. And we lose those values, of, the value of people. And, um, you know, nobody's an island to themselves. 
we need each other so we can hear from them and we speak to them and we're able to vent certain things, but they are too. And, and so uh, we need each other. And poetry is a good way to connect with other people. And um, Bonnie's done a beautiful job of that. I have to tell you a little story about poetry. Um, because you use fewer words and uh, you use significant picturesque words to do, uh, to uh, get your me- meaning out there, uh, we have a friend who had gotten my little book on uh, nature poems, Snow Presence and other poems, and we gave one to her. And she ended up having getting dementia. And so Gilman will call them once in a while, and and then she doesn't know who he is or who I am. And then then all of a sudden um, she'll bring up this book I wrote. And I love that book, she said, and I read it all the time. And that's the one thing that ties her to us is that poetry book. And I was thinking somebody should do a study on poetry and patients with dementia and see just how much it affects their memory and how much it can bring them back to you, you know. I thought that's very interesting. And every time they're on the phone together, we're on the phone together, this comes back, this poetry book. And then she knows who we are. Isn't that something? It's amazing. I remember a woman telling me one time that used to work for me, she's an older woman, uh, but she said, uh, my children never remember what I bought for them, but they always remember what I did with them. And maybe that's kind of what you're connecting with, is, is people remember certain things in their life and it's part of who they are. And it was things that really meant something to them, and they've carried it throughout their life. So um, I remember my, my grandfather was really he was a Christian for probably most of his life, and he read the Bible multiple times and everything. And he had um, dementia, and he could not remember hardly anything. When when I last time I went to see him, he'd be asking me about my dad and when my dad would come to see him. And all my dad had been dead for many years, and um, but you would think he'd lost contact with everything. But any time you tried to quote scripture to him out of the Bible, he would correct you because that's <laughs> what he remembered. So he would correct anybody who messed up uh, according to the scriptures to him. Well, the scriptures are poetry, too. Yeah. yeah they're they're short little verses, and uh, they say a lot in just a small amount of space. Exactly. So, You know, when you look at the poetry and think about the poetry and what you're writing about, I mean, you and Bonnie, oh, by the way, today is Bonnie's birthday. Happy birthday, Bonnie. Thank yeah. you. Oh, I got her. I told her some things. She might not want to hear. <clears throat> then I told her she was already nine months older than she thought she was. And, yeah. Cause she was. But, um, well, I'm anyway. still here, and I woke up. So <laughs> some people, That's I right. guess you don't know if you're going to be here at the end of the day when you wake up anyway, no matter who you are. So it's a gift, right. everything, every day, every minute, every second. Yeah. Well, I hope you have a wonderful birthday, Bonnie. I really do. Well, thank you. You know, one of the things that it's important, again, you know, look at the poetry and the simplest things in life. I mean, Bonnie, you and I were talking about, obviously, over the last few weeks, one of the things we remembered 
just sitting out on the back stoop of your house with your mom churning butter. You know, and here's an old butter churn. We've got to sit there by hand and churn this butter up and down. But it was one of those simplest things of life that just brought everybody together, and we were having fun. And I think that's somewhere we need to go back to that, don't we? We do, and uh, that was good butter, too. <laughs> Not a, nothing was pasteurized, nothing was anything, and nobody ever got sick. Go figure. <laughs> well, the old thing, that's what they tell you many times, is to go back to the beginning or go back to the basics. And um, it seems like the more we learn, the less we know sometimes. Uh, if, but when you... I, I've learned something about my own self, and maybe you, both of you can correct me on this. <clears throat> but I've really prayed many times that the Lord would help me to see like a little child. Because a child sees things in a way that adults don't. We compromise everything, or we confuse everything and complicate everything. But a child only sees it in simplicity. And they can reason better than an adult can. And so I've always prayed to that to that way to hope. So uh, maybe I can see some things or hear things that maybe some of the people around me don't do because their life is so cluttered up. But the basics were good things, and uh, we've come a long ways in 100 years, 120 years. But um, some of it's been great, but some of it has really caused a lot of problems for civilizations. So uh, I think we do need to go back to that very beginning of some things and, and just glean from that sometimes. You know, one of the things that's happened recently, and we've talked about on this radio show, and we had the expert on this radio show from the Karolinska Institute in Sweden, is everybody's got the computers and the cell phones. We've got to have this all hooked up to technology all the time. And they forget that the simpler things in life and everything back together, whether you're sitting there reading a book to each other or reading the poetry, I mean, that's where your poetry here. You can read your poetry to each other. And, and I was sitting here reading it to my, my kids, my grandkids, and we were enjoying it the other day. It puts everything back into perspective of where life is really at and what the importance are. I've got another poem here. It's called Hurrying Home. And this is kind of neat because we've all been there and done this before. The June air was crisp that night. We spent it in a log cabin. Somewhere in Wyoming, I guess, huh? I can't remember. It was so long ago. All I know is that we breathe the precious air and listen to the ice-cold spring and thawing snow run down the mountainside, singing the high, gentle, light notes of the small streams running over rocks next to snow patches. We slept under thick, down-filled comforters, nose exposed, chilled by nippy air from low-burning fires. Early in the season, guests were few, Alone, we ate breakfast, steaming pancakes and sausages in the lodge, discussing the future over freshly brewed coffee. Then we left our wayside rest, uh, not even thinking to ask, what do you call this place? Not dreaming that someday would we want to return or possibly tell someone about it. Memories. Yeah, but it's a beautiful picture. You know, you're painting a picture with words. And um, I know when writing a book, you have to, if you want people to see the picture, you have to paint it with all the little details of trying to create a picture. I've grown bonsai trees. I've written, I've done, 
you know, different things. And, um, and that's got so much value to it. And that poetry creates a picture in the mind, and you, it almost takes you out of this world of complexity. And I could, I could, when you were just reading that, Doug, I could see that spring. I could see that water running. I could see the ice and the snow and the cabin and the pancakes and the sausage. And, the, and you know, you, you kind of get a reprieve from all this stuff goes around us. And it just kind of, we wish for those days again. Maybe the snow is good for us. I don't know. Maybe it shuts us down and gives us a reprieve. And uh, that's beautiful writing. You know, well, if anybody here, can this is read my simple. poems, they know I like snow. Or I, I did like it when I was young. You are. I, I think You're it's like beautiful. You are softly on um, a quiet lake, a reflection in dark corners of our world. But... Here's a one that will bring us back. I I can I rather like this poem making rhubarb sauce. Wooden orange crates were cupboards, a rock or box, a chair in my playhouse, under the juneberry and poplar trees. I go there on summer days with my play family and make rhubarb sauce and mud pies on utensils mother had thrown out. I cradle my doll in my arms and tell her the secrets of living. I tell her about God. We would go to church with my friend, Coco Anderson. Today I sit in my real house on a landscape lawn, listening to my churning dishwasher and blaring TV, and I think of playhouses in the woods and imaginary friends named Coco and wonder, was I closer to reality then? Well. Deep. <laughs> Deep. What was it, Doug? What were you reading a moment ago? Because you were kind of over-riding uh, each other on that. Read that poem again, if you will. Okay. You are. You are like the moonlight, listening softly on a quiet lake, a reflection in dark corners of our world. I mean, when I sit here and, you know, I'm using my telescope and we've got an observatory here on the farm, we can reach out and we see the look at the past because when we're looking at light coming from the stars or the other thing, we're looking at the past, not what is at the moment, but what was. And then we think and read the poetry and see, well, hey, this is what is, but then this is coming from what was. And maybe we just need to go there in the future. Yeah. You know, we rush well, we, yeah. we rush around all the time, don't we? I mean, as we're rushing from here to there and all over the place, I mean, you're going to go we're gonna go shopping here or going to get food here or going out to eat or you're coming back home. And the time where you just sit still and, and do everything kind of seems to have gone to oblivion. And here's another neat poem. Stop for a moment. If you stop for a moment on a sunny summer's day and smell the perfume of the wildflowers, you can almost see them waltzing in the soft summer wind. But nowadays they have writing groups and writing therapy in the military. And some of it is dark poetry and other it is lighter poetry and and some of it is, I don't know exactly all the names for it, but, but um, 
in therapy, they use it to really get into a man's head because when you begin to tap into those dark areas of your life, you're able to, to connect and put it in words. And I, and I was thinking, and when you were writing, reading this, uh, both of you, I was thinking it's a shame to get to the end of your life and you have not shared your life with anybody because every life is valuable. And if people could write you know, small poems, whatever it takes, um, you know, and, and begin to share with people what they're, what they where they've been and what they've done and where they what they see in life and I believe it brings a lot of things out but I believe it brings a lot of things inside of you too because you began to to enjoy the snow and the roses once in a while. I don't know what seventy seven thousand people up north did when the lights went out, but I'm sure they didn't use their cell phones and I'm sure their lives began to kinda of hunker down in those houses and gather around a fireplace or somewhere but you know, we need that in our lives so we can kind of get some things out of us and I love to read poetry and I love to write a little bit and so uh, it's, it's been very beneficial to a lot of veterans Bonnie do you ever work with veterans with poetry or anything no I don't uh, I haven't that is kind of an un, untapped um, resource that, I think the VA just kind of started in the last year or so uh, working with veterans because there's so many sometimes injurious situations and they can't talk about it but there's possibility of writing about it through poetry which like you're talking about you use fewer words but you create a picture and uh, I know my buddy um, had received a lot of healing from being able to write so it's a it's a great outlet well we had the director the coordinator of the VA writing program on our radio show multiple times now and Every time she's been on, she's explained the incredible healing nature of getting that out out in the open, thinking about it, talking about it, because it's it doesn't matter whether you're a veteran or a police officer or a teacher or a you know a nurse or a car mechanic. I mean, there's parts of your life that you know you you, you need to talk about, you need to get out in the open, and things whether they bother you or not, or something that you can make better. But it seems like you said that communication has gone the way of the dodo bird. I mean, I hear so many people, they come back and they go out to eat or they come back and they get, uh, you know, the fast foods and they'll sit down and they'll hurry it off. And like you said, they're sitting there with a cell phone in one hand and texting somebody or whatever they're doing rather than communicating across. Although there's a lot of communicating and learning going on the cell phone, too, I, uh, I, I put. Well, if they're on Facebook, I put my poems on there, and I don't know. It's uh, it's not useless, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I read a lot of news on there. <laughs> well, it, it does, then, but we we think about the the new generation, maybe, um, and how children are and are more prone to take the path of least resistance. And, and we've talked about this many times it's through the uh, social media today, that social media has created a lot of sociopaths uh, where people go by public opinion more so than they're even their conscience. And that comes yeah. to uh, having too many friends inputted into your life and, and not always positive means either. So, you know... 
I think it's had some great, well, that's undeniable. Technology has been marvelous. But in the lives of young people, it's become a very lazy, laid-back way of living, of uh, sitting on your couch and taking a trip without leaving the farm, to the point that they lose contact with the real world. So that's a, that's a danger of it. Well, there's so many. The, the downside is that there's so many outlandish opinions on there, too. I mean, uh, that don't have any common sense, and so they can just agitate instead of uh, right. Right. de-escalate things, and, and that's not good. No, and, and people like you, Bonnie, I mean, and, and Doug, too, I mean, you both write poetry, and I've only dipped in it, you know, I've only done a few, but um, people that have that talent, uh, the world, these young people need somebody to help them to realize there's a life out there that has substance to it. And when you right. get later in life, you'll be looking back wishing you'd done things differently. So um, this is where we change it. Here's another poem, and this is, Bonnie, you wrote this, but this is this is from me to both of you guys right now. Ah, my friend, ah, my friend, all I have to do is think of a hug from you, and my day is made. I feel better already for what is a friend but a touch, a word, a look that lifts my spirit, soaring to the heights way beyond human expectations, surpassing horizons of loveliness and moonbeams and sunshine and rainbows and mud puddles from the gentle rainfall we just had. Wow. (laughs) That's beautiful, Bonnie. Thank you. I I saw a lot of stuff out there at that old Ellert place. Did I? (laughs) You know what Ellert was, Doug? That was that place where the store and the church and the school were where I lived. And a lot of this came right out of there. I mean, it's it's Marshall County all the way. Well, I haven't been there, but I can hear in your poetry what you're talking about. And it's almost like visiting your past. Yeah. And, uh, you're sharing it with me and everybody who hears it, but... You know, what happens when you when your grandchildren or great grandchildren or great 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 grandchildren come along and they read that poetry? They're yeah. having a piece of your life, you know, and so that's a benefit of it. That's why I decided, you know, when I did this I was going to print a few books because I wanted I did not want it in a computer someplace that went uh, got thrown yeah. away. I wanted it so they would have something in in their hands. And my grandsons like poetry, and that makes me so happy. Yeah. Some more than others, but you know, some are younger too. But as they grow, I I think they're really going to appreciate them, the books. Here's another poem. Here's another poem, and it's kind of it's kind of neat too. There's a world outside. Oh, there's a world outside. One with people I never knew. One with places I've never been. No glances beyond the door were few. I left the outdoor things unseen. 
oh, there's a world outside, the inside world not to abase. I'll place my foot outside my door to meet the new world face to face and ask my God to show me more. Yeah. We live in a funnel. You know, we're, we're sitting there and cutting off a piece of the funnel, and we're only seeing a part of what's out there in life. And there's so much more out there, and there's so much more to do, and there's so much more to see, and so much more to experience. Yeah. Well, it's not stopping to, to smell the roses sometimes, you know? Uh, we're just and life is not, yeah. And life isn't perfect, and it's some of these stumbling blocks that we think we have are really stepping stones. We, if we had a perfect life, we wouldn't grow at all. We'd just be yeah. nothing, you know. We have to have sorrow and troubles to grow and work through. And that's what makes us into better people and hopefully, in the end, more compassionate, understanding people. Well, that's also preserving history, too, because you're taking them back even to your poetry, into the days of a childhood. You're taking them back to growing up. You're taking them out there in the woods and in the meadows. You're taking them out in the sunshine on a rainy day and the snow falling down. And those, even a hundred years later, you're still, you know, giving that um, quality of life to people who may not have any quality. It might take them adrift sometimes, and maybe they'll put a few words down and, Catch on, like you just said, and that is the part of history. And um, it seems as though most people are so caught up in the present and the future, they don't have time to tap into the future anymore. But there's a lot of quality back there. These veterans, I, I suppose, a lot of people have always thought poetry was for sissies or for something else. I, I, you know, something on that order. But they're finding out poetry goes into every area of life, and sometimes. The, the hardest or the, the greatest hurts in your life can produce something that is valued not only to you but everybody else. And uh, people need to maybe strive to maybe take classes or go to your libraries in different places and get into groups and learn some about poetry and writing poetry. And if the VA won't pay for it, well, you can do it on your own. But people need to get hold of their past and bring it out where people can see it. And you don't have to use foul language or anything else to um, to emphasize certain things. You can make it clean and decent and, and good, and people will love it and enjoy it. And uh, that's the idea. You know, I think one of the things, Bonnie, you and I were lucky as we, we got to grow up running on the farm and in, in the pastures and through the fields of wheat and barley and all of that stuff. Not everybody gets to do that. And there's an entirely different life, I think, from the person that lives in the city with the concrete and the buildings all around in comparison to those of us that got to be out in the wide open spaces. I mean, you know, God is there, I mean, for you to see and for you to smell and everything else that you're touched immediately. And uh, you've got another poem here, Playing in the Pasture. Let us ride a sunray to heaven and back again, then land in the softest carpet the bluebells in the glen. Next, we'll take a winding path and stroll along through morning through the woods and pasture beneath summer skies of blue. 
We'll forget that we have problems. Escape the summer's rain when you ride a sun ray to heaven and back again. Yeah. Well, don't, uh, don't most music uh, come from poetry? They write poetry and put it into word or put it into music. Um, and I've heard a lot of things. They would come up with a tune and then make the words fit it. But that okay. is, isn't that what most songs are anyway when you read a song? Well, sometimes they take the words and put it to music, and sometimes they take the music and put words to it. It depends on. Well, we got the Minnesota kid, Bob Dylan, has taken it to the height of glory. I mean, he's just won a Nobel Prize. His poetry has been put to music, or his music has been put to poetry. I'm not sure which way it was, but, I mean, the impact has absolutely been significant. Maybe that gives young people something to, to really look at and maybe think about, um, you know, because there are certain fields. And I know that musicians, they can have a beautiful voice. I, I know someone that's got a tremendous voice, but their entire life, and now they're getting older, and they've never written any music. They've never really pushed themselves. They've always singing somebody else's song, and they call that karaoke most of the time, you know. And uh, when someone can learn how and, and begin to produce their own music. That's where you began to move ahead of the crowd. And uh, not everyone can do that, I suppose, but it's about putting those words to music or music to, you know. Uh, so anyway, I, I think of that when I'm thinking of these young people. They, they have so many things out there to challenge them, but they, they won't find it on the Internet, probably. They'll probably find it in their own heart. And they have to tap into that. Yeah, we just had, I mean, Christmas just passed. Obviously, we had a beautiful white Christmas. I mean, it was cold, but the sun was shining, and the fields out here with all the snow were just glistening. And this here's another poem that you had. Snow for Christmas. A white Christmas we want, everyone said. The longing for snow increased by the minute because what is Christmas if snow isn't in it? November passed by with no snow in sight. The wish and the dream remain day and night. Leaves left from fall raking, dry and brown on the ground. Trees naked and shivering stood all around. Except for the evergreens, they stood tall and pretty, green as ever and ever, singing a ditty. We're ready for Christmas and a winter in snow. We're ready to put on a theatrical show. December came as nothing happened. No snow in. White Christmas was sung on the car radio. The earth outside remained bare and black, as dull as burlap, a hundred-pound sack. And children went to bed longing to play in the snow, making snowmen that very next day. Longing to make snow angels to sled, ski, and skate. Longing for snowballs and snow forts to make. Longing for red cheeks and seeing frozen breath and cold air. Nothing's more fun anywhere Anywhere, then just like magic and such, the snow came it was almost too much. It covered the dead leaves and all the dead grass, decorated the evergreens, giving them class, covered the rooftops and fences and driveways, and everything else, frontways and sideways. It'll be a white Christmas after all, they said with a smile. It's here to stay and stay for a while. 
little kids and big kids and old kids were happy. And grandma and Grandpa had Papa and Pappy. I'm stay. I'm here to stay for a while. Hunker down and stay happy. I want you to smile. There'll be diamonds around you, sparkling with light. A decorated world for you, day and night. We were lucky. We had that white Christmas this year, and it was sparkling. Yeah. Yeah, you can see the picture. You can uh, feel it, feel the chill, feel everything, but it's, it's that picture that's worth a thousand words. You know, it comes from the heart. How do you explain to somebody what you see when you got the beautiful weather? It's the middle of the summer or in the winter with the snow all around. Is looking out and across the fields or looking into the woods. I mean, the beauty's all around you somehow, but I get a sense sometimes people are missing that today. Well, I know around here, Doug, and, and both of you are educators and probably public and, you know, uh, you know, private schools, different colleges, different things. But, but it seems like today teachers almost don't care whether the kids come to school or not. Right now it's like 60 degrees around here, and the snow is all gone except for in some shady areas and big piles here and there. But they canceled school. They, today they had two hours of um, before, you know, before school, they, they, uh, I think it was 10 o'clock when school took in or something. But it's almost as though they're sending a message of they don't care where the kids come anymore. They have eliminated a lot of history, eliminated uh, writing skills. They're just basically um, giving them what they have to have, it seems, though. And it doesn't take as much time as it used to when they taught us cursive and they taught us, uh, you know, different things that, you know, in, in elementary school and junior high school. And um, we used to go to school when the weather was bad. It didn't matter. It had to be really bad to keep you out of school. But today's world, it's it's not like that, and and I guess the teachers have just gotten tired of trying to raise somebody's children who won't raise them themselves, and therefore the kids are the ones who really uh, get eliminated on this. And so maybe that's part of the problem too. It's it's up, it's up to those who have the talents to somehow reach out to that world and begin to to tutor someone. And maybe they can tap in. They might be the, you know, the next great poet in the world. That you know, you, I remember that uh, the illustration. It was on a movie one time, and it was a great uh, sculpture. He had um, sculptured a magnificent work of art, statue, and the people were giving lauding him with all kind of praises. And the man said, "You know," he said, "the, the, the statue was there the whole time. All I had to do was clear the junk from around it." And that's a picture of a lot of people. Um, they've never had anybody chipping at them and trying to make something a work of art out of their lives. And that's where I've failed many times, and I'm sure we all feel like we have, of not trying to take time to work with somebody. But, um, you had a great art, buddy, and you made some beautiful poetry. Thank you. One of the things that's frightening as a teacher and I've taught everything from kindergarten through graduate school, and then my family are teachers and nurses. Now, somehow all our cousins ended up being either teachers or nurses. I'm not sure where that came from, Bonnie. Maybe we can figure that out someday. 
But uh, so many of the school kids today, when we look at them and we're out in the community, we've got maybe only 20% of the school-age population on grade level. They can't do. They can't read at grade level. They can't write at grade level. They're not able to do math at grade level. And then the comprehension of the world around them somehow seems to have gone into oblivion. And then when you don't have communication across the family groups and everything else, I just, for me, it gets really flustering. Because the child, you know, when I ask the teacher, some of their current teachers, well, when have you written something? Well, we got the computer. We'll sit there and no, sit with a pencil and a paper and write. I mean, they don't even teach yeah. cursive writing in the schools anymore. How are you going to communicate or put this information down that you have? Uh, how do you going to get these ideas, Bonnie? I mean, in the, I mean, I mean, when I've been writing or something, I mean, and you too, you might come up with a poem in the middle of the night. You got to get up and write, don't you? Well, I do, otherwise I lose it. I mean, if That's I right. think it's really good and it comes to me, I have to put it down or I'm it's gone. Me too. Just like that. <laughs> you know, there was once upon a time, and I haven't done it for a long time, I mean, the Internet has made communication so easy that you don't have to do it, but uh, I remember when I was in uh, junior high, I had a pen pal, and we exchanged letters, and he lived up in Alaska, and I'm down here in Illinois and Minnesota. And it was like discussing completely, at the same time we're pen pals, we're discussing everything that happens every day, but it was completely two different lifestyles, two different life domains, completely different. They were connected, but they were separate. And I know maybe the Internet, I mean, the Internet capability now with email, I mean, you can communicate instantly with somebody waiting for waiting for a week or two weeks for communicating back and forth. But that has benefits and has bad, because I know when we went to Vietnam in the correspondence and letters, I mean, the letter might be two or three weeks old before you got it. And today, you know, as we saw when we watched some of the movies come on, and especially uh, American Sniper, He's on the cell phone with his wife coming out of the doctor's office after she found out she's pregnant. At the same time, he's in a firefight. Yeah. Well, Doug, you know, every, whether, whether it's poetry, and we've listened to it today with Bonnie's and some of yours, too. I mean, we've heard it many times. And I'm giving you a little bit about mine. But there's a certain flow that has to go with that. And what Bonnie was saying, I mean, we all relate to that is that when when a thought comes to you, you have to put it down, and there's a certain flow that carries that. And uh, whether it be music or what it is, it's got a certain flow to it. Even writing, uh, when you're writing in cursive writing many times, for my own self, I found out that there's a certain flow to it, and, and it's just everything is flowing. In the martial arts, we always studied flow. We like to get out into the wind and the clouds and the ocean and everything around us, nature, and the martial arts goes with the flow of things. In today's world, we lost that flow, I believe, uh, where people are not taking the time or on the computer, maybe, and, and they're taking, uh, they don't have time to sit there and think about too many things. Their life is more complicated than it used to be. 
and they're losing that flow, and they have to go back to that flow sometimes about when you feel something, you write it down. When you when a thought comes to you, you write it down, because I'll lose it. I mean, I suppose I will. I don't try to take even a chance of doing that. But it's amazing that there's usually a flow that, that comes with this type of artwork, and I'm sure it works the same way. I've painted oil paints and different things in my life, too, and it's a... Uh, it is a certain flow that it takes. But these kids today, they're not learning those type of things. They're not learning about taking time and just get away from all the, you know, the things that's going on and get away from all your friends and think for a while and meditate. And it'll cost you a little time, but look at the value that comes out of this thing. It's too bad that mostly older people are the ones that still remember those type of things. And, um, in the schools, you know, if you got a couple of kids and and they want to, you know, apply themselves, they'll put them in special classes, get them out of the regular classes, and and you excel them, but the rest of them are just laid back and doing their thing. So I don't know how you fix the problem, but I, believe, I think I know the problem. I think we do know the problem. But I think it's going to take the skilled people to take time to work with some of these children. Here's a, this is a signature poem from this new poetry book, and it's really applicable today, Bonnie, since it's your birthday. Dancing barefoot in the wind. To be young again, a whole lifetime of dreams waiting for someone, with fleeting thoughts of days to come. To be young again, running barefoot in the wind, under oak and cottonwood trees. We danced a polka without music, played wedding and went to prom in our dreams. We took turns as Marilyn Monroe or Elizabeth Taylor. Hey, I was in love with Elvis. You adored Ricky Nelson. Not knowing the pain of life, its wars and conflicts, its poverty and its injustice, life was good. And the dreams would someday come true while dancing barefoot in the wind. Yes. I remember one of my daughters one time, uh, I think they were looking at a TV thing with Ricky Nelson the Nelson family, whatever it was. And she kept saying, I wish I was born back in those days. And I think <laughs> they had their problems, but it was a, a a quieter, slower lifestyle, maybe. Gentler, kinder time in many, many ways compared to today. Yeah. True. And especially in the <laughs> stoic Nor- uh, Norwegian... Scandinavian communities. I mean, a lot was felt, but not a lot was um, expressed. I don't think um, they dealt with things like, oh well, you know. I don't know how they dealt with them, but they didn't get all bent out of shape as much. I don't think as people well, do today. If you got in trouble in school with the teacher, you got in trouble at home with your parents. And, you know, somebody just put on that Facebook, did any of you ever hear this? Quit your crying or I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) Did you ever hear that? There's all kinds of people heard that. Um, How would you uh, try to encourage people on this radio program listening today, young people and then military or anybody who's lived through life, I guess, any time, what would you do to encourage them how to begin to write or how to take time and um, just 
encourage them for a minute to maybe. Well, you know. First of all, don't be yourself and don't be afraid of your feelings. I mean, everybody feels and has a lot of the same feelings, and it's not going to be a surprise to anybody. Just start writing them down. Um, Keep a journal if you have to about what happens every day in your life and how you feel about it and who you meet. And um, I think poetry is a, diff- a little bit of a different thing. You have to make pictures with fewer words. But you could always do that. You could always correct after you've written. That's the way I feel. If you If something comes to you and it's a good thought or a good idea, write it down and... Get in touch with yourself and your feelings, and you got to sh- you got to share yourself to write. You just can't not share yourself because it won't have any value whatsoever, and people will realize it's not the truth. Do they Very have uh, writing clubs and poetry clubs and things like this that kids could get into? And, and yeah, we have them here. And we had them wherever I was. And here's here's another poem, and this kind of sums up where everything is at and puts things life into perspective. Feeling rich. In those days when they said we were poor, I never felt poor. All I had to do was look at the blue sky, the green trees, wild flowers, a rainbow now and then and golden wheat fields waving in the breeze. And I felt very, very rich. That kind of puts in perspective what life's about, doesn't it? My wife was raised on a farm a long, long time ago, too. I mean, back for a long time for all of us. But she said, you know, we were considered poor people, but she said, I never went hungry. We had clothes. We had a warm house. We had a big family. And so my dad would, uh, he raised pigs and different animals. And he said, she said, we had sausage and we had hams and we had this. And, we had, and it's, I mean, what you do is you went to the basics, but it's, it was the good basics back then. If you had a family, that that's what really comes down to. Today's the children, one of the problems is they don't have families like they used to have families. And there's been a war on families for a long time, um, trying to mix everything up and there's been so much divorce in families that people have quit giving up on marriage, seems like. But um, those children are still reachable. I don't care where they've been, how they've been hurt, they're still reachable if we'll just take time to reach out to them and begin to nurture or disciple them or, or mentor them or whatever you want to call it. But they are reachable. And I'm, I'm always spending my time in jail trying to reach some of those young people that seem to have been thrown away. But they're, very, they're valuable people. They have a story to tell, too. So uh, here's, I do Here's a poem I wrote that will probably fit um, if you're going to help other people. It's called Let Me Cry Today. Let me cry today once for all days. Let each tear remove one hurt until I'll vanish completely from my soul. Let me cry all day today for all days. Let the pain come out each pore as peace comes in and fills me up again. Let me cry once for all days so I can smile again and hear another's cry somewhere, sometime, somehow. 
Our, our stubbly blocks are stepping stones, and we can make them stepping stones, or we can make them stumbling blocks. But I, I don't think I've ever been hurt that I don't learn something, you know, from it. And you, I could use it to make life better for somebody or make my life better. And I am what I am today because of all that I went through. I mean that that makes all of us where we're at the things that we saw and what we learned and what we what we experienced and who we were exposed to. Yeah, right. And I'm I'm you know, and it's all it hasn't always been fun and games either. But it's I'm here because of that, and I am who I am because of that, and that's the way it's got to be. It, you know, hey, there Bonnie, are, aren't you guys coming up on it, your fiftieth wedding anniversary this year? Yep. Wow. That's wonderful. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that says a lot for you and him both, Brian. <laughs> uh, what? You know, I have someone uh, close to me that just they started living with their boyfriend or something. Yeah. Well, hey, we're done again. Bonnie, thank you. God bless you. I love you. Happy birthday. Ray, thank you. And enjoy your family down there in Florida, Ray. Thank you. Thank you okay, Bonnie. love you guys, and thanks for everything. Okay, good evening. Thank Happy you. Happy New Year.